Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Look, let's spend some time talking about higher ed. Um, Often marginalized in the press, we focus so much on K-12. Let's talk about higher ed in the ways in which we are innovating around all the processes and experiences that uh, students are having within their colleges and universities across this country and around the world. Uh, Artis Kadu, he is the CEO of Element 451. Artis, how are you today? Doing great, Red. So, Artis, tell me why why higher ed for you as a, as a business? I'm always interested in why people get into higher ed because they talk about the challenges of doing business in higher ed. So uh, are you a glutton for punishment or you, <laughs> you just had experiences and you knew that you wanted to make a difference in this sector? Um, higher ed is it's special to me. Uh, first generation student um, here in the U.S., um, immigrant. Um, higher education kind of gave me my first, you know, um, my, my first start here. So as I was uh, finishing up my uh, my undergraduate and graduate work, I then was kind of thrown into the um, the administrative side of the of higher education, working at NYU, and that's kind of where um, I started to really love some of the problems they were solving and love kind of the. Um, you know, the mission of institution in terms of giving people opportunities and saw it from the other side rather than as a student. What gaps did you identify when you were at NYU that just were sort of screaming out that needed, uh, I guess, more more diligence paid to them? Yeah. So one of the things that um, I was in charge of was the kind of the, the front door, so to speak, of the university, which is the website and kind of the digital experience and marketing and um, the classroom technology as well. And as we were working with kind of bridging the gap between, you know, great website experience and kind of the processes for how that student gets engaged with a school and then goes through that application process and through uh, working with administrators, there is a huge gap in there, right? The website technology was advancing really rapidly, but the systems on onboarding students, they had just literally moved away from paper applications and kind of those communications were really lacking behind. So that's the first um, gap that I was identified and tried to bridge as I was there for quite a bit and working with admissions and and the student engagement teams um, to kind of make that experience a lot better. Um, And that's kind of where I learned a lot of the kind of what would be really beneficial to kind of my career and kind of having Element 451 and some of the products that we're putting together. I kind of cut my teeth in that, so to speak. (laughs) On the job training. So on the job training. Look, artists, I think it's very interesting when we think about uh, a lot of times people will be able to identify a problem. But I, I think there's a different level or there's a different type of person that then says, look, I think I can solve this, or I can at least take a really good shot at it, but I'm going to do so as a business owner. I'm going to do this sort of building my own shop in that regard. So what was that like? Take me into those conversations, whether it was with loved ones, friends, family, when it came from, look, I'm doing this work at NYU. I'm seeing what's going on here. I've got a passion for higher ed because of my own sort of experience and what it's given me and provided me from an opportunity perspective. And now I want to go into uh, doing this on my own. Tell me about that gap in time or that period of time. I mean, it was a whirlwind, right? So I have um, 
friends and family and especially my family like the world entrepreneur the word entrepreneur didn't exist right so if you had your own business it means that you weren't good at working for somebody else <laughs> you know backward so and then means that now you have your own business um so that part of it is very risky so family members were all uh, well why would you want to do that why would you leave a great job and you know go do your own thing um, so, so those are some of the conversations and, you know, one of the things that makes it really easy is also having great partners. And that's, that's kind of where, um, as part of that education, uh, my MBA during my MBA, I actually met one of my business partners that we went on to kind of form our marketing agency. And then later on kind of swing out element out of that. So it's kind of the connections that you make along the way that make it really, um, I won't say palatable, but like they kind of give you that push and those those kind of uh, points in your journey that you can pinpoint back and say, okay, I met this person, and then because of that, made these decisions and these decisions and these decisions. So there is no clear path, right? It's all <laughs> <laughs> for all those kids listening out there. There's not a clear path. I agree no, with you. Absolutely not. What, what have you? What have you learned about yourself as as a man, uh, as a as a dad? Um, as a community member in building a business and giving back in the way that you are? Um, look, um, you you become a CEO and then people say, well, you're the boss, right? And that's that's kind of the, the perception. But then when you look at it, you're like, well, really CEO stands for chief everything officer, right? So you you have to be, you know, ready to to do everything. But what it means for me um, more personally is that I've been able to work with people who I enjoy working with. And that's probably one of the benefits of of having your own business, right? Um, And I've worked with those people now for for a decade plus, right? We've worked together at NYU, kind of brought them over on the marketing agency, and now they're here at Element. So, So it's really, you know, something that you don't get to do in other places if you don't kind of have your own a business. So it's it's kind of that community, right? And then you look out and you're um, you know, at the end of the day, you're making decisions because it's it's good for the business, it's good for for other people rather than, hey, how am I benefiting necessarily from this? And you know, like as an entrepreneur, which element is is kind of uh, VC funded right now. So, so our, our big, you know, opportunity is how can fast, can we grow the business? How can we get to a place where now we can get more value of it on the other side? You really go with a lot. You're, you're very lean, right? So you have to be, you, right? <laughs> exactly. So what you take home and kind of when you talk to your family, like those decisions have to be made. It's like, well, all right, fine. We're going to sacrifice, you know, over the next few years because of a bigger return on the other side. But then the people around you, that support system and the people you work with, they make it bearable or they make that fun or exciting or, you know, in order for you to, to kind of see that, uh, to see that through. Otherwise it's like, man, every, every other day, if you wake up and um, you're like, Oh, why am I doing this? Like, why, why am I putting myself through? But you know, it's, it's, it's really those, uh, those people and, and uh, kind of the opportunity. And of course, kind of that's, that's kind of what excites entrepreneurs and what excites me. It's like solving those problems 
Um, it, I don't think I'm a really good, um, they have this, this notion of a wartime CEO and the peacetime CEO. It's like basically like, yeah, which are you uh, artists? I want problems, <laughs> right? I want to solve problems. <laughs> One thing artists that I think is, is fascinating about entrepreneurs is that, and I think it's really important as we think about young people, because to them, you know, you made a great point about the word entrepreneur. I mean, so many of us didn't grow up even knowing what that word meant. It had no application in our right. lives. But now young people think about how many businesses they're going to start <laughs> before they're 25 kind of a thing um, is this notion of being able to balance and understand risk in our lives. And I, it seems like entrepreneurs that can succeed are incredibly good at balancing anxiety with the risks that they have to take and doing so where it doesn't compromise sort of the constitution of who they are so that they can lead, they can be a visionary, they can ask good questions and support teams. What have you learned about your ability to tolerate risk and the anxiety that then comes with it? So, I mean, you know, Success is kind of on the opposite side of that, right? And it's like it's opportunity and then the readiness to take that opportunity, right? So that's kind of where you say, okay, I'm successful because I was ready for it and there was an opportunity of moment in time. But then the other side of that is like there's a lot of risk to it as well. So you have to be comfortable with like your plan A not working out, your plan B not working out, your plan C not working out. And you haven't even a plan Z, right? So you're always in your head. You you have all of these like spectrum of plans and you're like, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Can I live with that? Great, I'll move on. Is that like building a muscle for you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're gonna drive yourself crazy. So you, <laughs> you have to be comfortable with it. Let, let's transition to the market that you are serving. Talk about uh, the, the competition. Talk about the need out there. Um, you know, for, for people out there that don't pay attention to higher ed, other than maybe their kids are in college or they're empty nesters, you know, we just see headlines where college and really higher ed is trying to figure itself out in a world where young people are finding other opportunities to express either their talent or secure new uh, sets of knowledge. So talk about the market that you're serving and the competition that is already there and maybe has been there. So there's a really interesting um, kind of dynamic going on. If you look at global education overall, there's going to be 2 billion plus new learners uh, in the world over the next 25 years, a billion plus on post-secondary education. They're not going to need post-secondary education. That's college or anything above high school. So there's a lot of demand there, right? And when we look at our numbers here in the US, we're seeing kind of this decline in students or first fresh, you know, like first year, full-time four-year students. And we see that because of, you know, kind of the demographics and kind of what's happening. But when you look at the globally, the demand for education and demand for, you know, it, it's not going down. It's actually going up. So then when you when you think about it, it's like, well, what's going on, right? That means that there is a misconnect, the disconnect between the product and, and the marketing, right? So demand is there, but the product is just not meeting the demand. And guess what? There's also a gap in the marketing. So both the product and marketing work hand in hand in order to meet that. So when you look at it from the school side, 
it took the pandemic for schools to even think about offering classes online or offering, you know, kind of very flexible scheduling around students. You had to be, you know, uh, five days a week, or you had to have classes during daytime, or you had to. So all of these methodology or these delivery mechanisms and the, on the product side was lacking. You saw the increase of, uh, brands like edX and so on and so forth that are you know basically became really popular because of that. And you also saw brands who um, did a lot of marketing really well, like uh, Southern New Hampshire University, for example, is a great they're, they're, they did a, they're not an Ivy, their brand they weren't there. like they didn't have a brand, but they put so much money into their marketing. And they put so much money into making their product what the consumer wanted, what the student wanted. And then now they're actually winning the, the you know, the, the game, right, so to speak. So when you look at, at, at on the school side, you're, you can think, okay, we're in a lot of trouble, right? You see the, the headlines, declining enrollments. But I would say it's an opportunity for them to reconnect back with the learner and now think a little bit differently rather than saying, hey, here's what I got. My product hasn't changed in 60 years or 70 years. I'm delivering the same type of education in classrooms. Like thinking now, it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. Like it's not the same person on the other side. The expectations of that student has changed, of that learner has changed. They're no longer can be categorized as traditional, non-traditional, continuing. It's like, Whoa, it's like everybody today is non-traditional student, according to everybody, the right. everybody. So it's like even I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, well, my daughter, she's she's taking a year off and she's traveling. OK, that's a non-traditional student. It's like they're not starting right away, but they're they still need education. It's just that, you know, they're skipping a year or, you know, now you have. If we look at the downturn in, you know, in the economy, like that's a great opportunity now for um, colleges to actually make a bigger push because what happens in a downturn? Everybody tries to upskill. And, you know, seven years, which is the kind of uh, the gap between, uh, you know, the time that people need to upskill every seven years in order to keep up. Well, guess what? In technology, like as we as I run a technology organization, people really need to keep up every couple of years. They need to do something, or they need to do learn on their own, or take courses. Because the data science of two years ago, it's like today we look at it, and we're like, it's gone. Oh man, <laughs> what, what what were we doing two years ago? Yeah. It's like <laughs> so walk walk me into a world where Element Four Fifty One exists, as opposed to a world where I walk in and it doesn't exist. What am I going to notice that's different? Yeah. So the way that I like to describe it to, to folks who are, you know, even to my own team, um, it's all about the approach that the school takes, right? So you think about current enrollment and current engagement with students. It's a very uh, cable-like experience, right? You're, you have your programming, it's scheduled at a particular time, it's push only, and that's kind of the communication and the engagement that's happening right now with schools. They go through an application process, it's very cumbersome, 
Um, they go through, you know, current, you know, uh, in school, but they don't have the support they need. They don't have the proactive um, engagement. Whereas the world that Element exists in, it's more of a Netflix-like world where you as the student and, and you as the institution know a lot about that consumer, about that student. And that student is actually uh, driving the, the, you know, the, the conversation and driving that engagement. It, it's on their terms, right? I log in, I pick what I want to see, when I want to see it. And guess what? The institution learns, which in this case, that's element, that's learning how that student is engaging with you, what kind of engagements, when, and then turning around and saying, okay, now we're going to react to your uh, personal personalized needs, and, and we're going to personalize things to your behavior and to your actions, uh, rather than, you know, you being on our schedule and you being on our content, that's cookie cutter. So that's the that's the world that we see for institutions, right. And it's really great for learners, because now the learners who want more attention, they actually can go to the website and click around a little bit more. And guess what? Now the system is going to kind of bubble them up as, as more interested or bubble them up as, hey, this person might need some help because they visited this certain pages or um, they started a conversation at 2 a.m. And guess what? You know, that's a very stressful time for them. So it's like it, they must be really neat. So, so that's really now important in the, in the success of that learner, and it puts the um, it puts that learner on the driving seat in order to get help and in order to kind of move through that at their own pace. How should I think about it? So, should I think about it as a as a learning management system, as a somewhat of a, a pseudo CRM, like a student information? Like, how should I think about it, it in yeah. this world? Because it it feels like this is a next gen to some degree. So help me understand based yeah. on sort of the existing experiences that we've had in those areas. Sure. Sure. So when you think about uh, top of the funnel enrollment and admissions, you have a, a system of record as a CRM and element is that CRM right now. Um, basically we're, it's a marketing automation tool, CRM. So it does, it's a system of record in that funnel stage. You go into current students you have three different systems there. You have a learning management system that delivers content. You have a student information system, which holds your records. And then you still have an engagement component. You still need to communicate with those students. You still need to engage with those students via surveys or, or chat bots or, or, or email. Well, that's a CRM. That's an engagement layer. You move to alumni or post um, kind of moving away that's still, you need a CRM there because it's all about engagement and communication and kind of one-on-one. So Element fits in on all those three different stages and it's the engagement layer. It's the CRM. You can call it CRM, but CRMs are so much more than CRMs. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like what, as you talk, artists, to me, it feels like you're the connective tissue. Like you can have a great LMS, you can have a great SIS, you, you can have these different components, but if they're not integrated that allow for participation and engagement of voice and experience, yes. then they're just systems, right? It's just yes. like, it, you know, it's just the produce aisle at the grocery store. It's not the experience of enjoying the meal based on what you bought at the yes. store in that regard. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> how, how much of your development in, in, in 
in uh, building your market footprint is in educating institutions on that very notion. I would imagine that if there's ever a headache, and I'll say it, you don't have to say it, it's in educating <laughs> current institutions on what the opportunity is based on what they already have. Fair? Yeah. It's, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of the work that we do is not comparing, telling them, hey, look at our features. It's better than our competitors, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we're, our, our work is around, no, no, no. You're not even playing the right game right now. You're not even in the right book, right? You need to think about it from a student-centric approach rather than, so, so a lot of that is, there's a lot of education there. There's a lot of education around data literacy as well, because when you get into the systems, um, it, it becomes a lot more like you're a marketer, right? You're essentially are, are operating as a marketer because you're trying to get messages across that connect with your audience and you need to measure how well they're doing, how well those messages are doing, how well. So measure all these engagement points and you're, you know, they're, they're not very literate, right, in that area. So that's an, that's an area of huge opportunity. And we, we saw a huge gap there. So last year, we even had an enrollment analytics certificate course that we put together specifically for very to fill that gap yeah <laughs> so and it, it's really popular right but it came from we need to teach you about enrollment analytics and how we think about this to institution one institution two institution three and they're like all right let's just create a certificate so we can yeah you got to stair step it right yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's let's talk a little bit about the business itself. So sort of what's the penetration thus far? How many institutions are you working with? That kind of a thing. Yeah, so we're about 100 or so institutions right now. Um, we are, we, we more than doubled over the past 12 months, and we're in a really great trajectory right now. Our education is really interesting because there is this, um, you know, period where nobody knows you yet and everybody's afraid to like be the first one or move. But then once you get a little bit of critical mass, then it becomes so much easier. And especially if you have great technology, it's like, boy, it just becomes a lot easier to kind of, you know, move through. Well, let's close with this artist. So you made the comment that when when you first talked with your family about, you know, starting Elman 451, it was almost like, well, you know, why would you do that? You're at, at NYU, right? Everybody understands the, the brand affinity um, and value of NYU. Talk about now. I would imagine that that narrative within the family has changed and it's probably the the, the bucket of pride is now filled up um, because of what you're doing and the difference that you're making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I don't think I can put that any any better than you did. Oh. Um, but I can I can give you one um, kind of something anecdotal. You know, my my kids still look at me and they're like, "Well, Daddy has its own business. It does. He goes to the office. It does this thing. Um, they know the brand, you know, because they get all the t-shirts and everything else and, and all the logos. But then you know, he's like, "Oh, Daddy's the, the boss at work," and then they're like, well, mommy is still the boss of daddy at home. So, so it's like my, my pecking order has still got, hasn't gone up. It's just that, I'm, uh, um, but anyways, that's, that's kind of the way my family thinks about it. Um, obviously if you have younger kids, they, they demand a lot of your attention. So sure. trying to kind of get yourself away from that, it's, it's kind of the, um, the key. 
Well, it seems like you are well built to uh, take Element 451 to to where uh, it has the potential to go. Uh, you know, obviously with 100 institutions and growing and doubling in less than 12 months, it sounds like you've really found, you know, your area of expertise that can make a huge difference. So I want to make sure people can find you and can find Element 451. Where should they go? Sure. It's Element 451. Element 451 is at Fahrenheit451.com. Well, continued success. I've enjoyed spending some time with you, and I look forward to watching the growth of Element 451. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.